Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Here are the nominees for actress in a leading role. Penelope Cruz in Volver. Judy Dench in Notes on a Scandal. Helen Mirren in The Queen. Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Club. Kate Winslet in Little Children. And the Oscar goes to Helen Mirren in The Queen. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2007 Ceremony Year Oscar win Best Actress for Helen Mirren playing the Queen of England. And uh, I'm very excited to actually talk about this year. I've been thinking about this episode for quite some time because this is, of course, the famous... That's all Meryl Streep, Devil Wears Prada year. And so I always kind of wondered, you know, like who I would pick because uh, I haven't seen a lot of these performances until this episode. And it's actually a pretty stacked year. So I think this is going to be a really, really fun episode. Um, Today I'm going to be talking with one of my favorites. Um, She was previously on the show when we discussed Frances McDormand's win for the movie Fire Goal. Uh, She will be, she's a writer for a show that's coming out in January on CBC called Son of a Critch. Uh, she is also the host of uh, two podcasts, uh, Buckets and Tea NBA podcast, as well as The Pickup, which is a WNBA podcast. It's Catherine Niker. Hi, Catherine. Hi, how are you? I am so excited that you're doing this episode. I loved having you the last time because I find that you're very insightful. You're clearly a writer. You're very um, articulate. And I'm so happy that you picked Helen Mirren because, yeah, like I said off the top, this is kind of an episode that, like, when I first started this podcast, I was like, oh, like, like, I was like, who would I pick? And I've been thinking about this for a while. Mm. Why why did you pick this year? Um, I just think this year, also, I had only watched The Devil Wears Prada prior to getting prepped for this episode. And I just looked at this category and I'm like, this category has multiple, you know, greatest actresses of our time, of our generation, of just cinema, period. I was like, this year is so stacked that I just can't wait to dive in and get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Great answer. And I agree with you. So um, this 2007 uh, Oscar year best picture went to The Departed. I've never seen this movie and it's on my list. Uh, Best director went to Martin Scorsese for The Departed. Side note, did you know that Martin Scorsese only has one best director Oscar and it was for It's crazy. Yeah, because I always, it's always like Spielberg or Scorsese and I thought, I don't know, that he won a bunch, but when looking back, I'm like, oh, he's only won like one Oscar to date. Um, Anyway, uh, best actor. Yeah, it's, to w- it's wild. It's absolutely yeah, I know. wild. <laughs> it's yeah, it's I, its own episode, think. frankly. Of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not right? of this podcast, but it's its own episode dissecting that because he has some of the greatest films ever made. He yeah, just absolutely. does. Yeah, absolutely. Su- super, super weird. 
Super weird. Uh, okay, so Forrest Whitaker won Best Actor for The Last King of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actor went to Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine. Best Supporting Actress went to Jennifer Hudson for Dreamgirls. Um, and also, side note, I completely forgot that Eddie Murphy is an Academy Award nominee for the movie Dreamgirls. Yeah, and then he walked out when he lost. Oh, did he? Really? He yeah, thought he yeah, would win? You know how those categories, the supporting actress, actor categories come up early in the in the program? Right. So, yeah, when Alan Arkin won, he left. <laughs> That's so wild. That's so funny. And I feel like I would do the same thing. <laughs> would you? Oh, I'm a bitter <laughs> bitch. If I lose, I feel like I was robbed. Like... Okay, we're going to get into it, but the verb that I have used it, so like I did, um, we'll, we'll get into it whenever we talk. I'm just going to make a note about it that, just so that I I, I remember, but we're going to talk about a little verb that I created after an Ooh. experience that I had. Interesting. I mean, for me, I think it depends on who am I losing to. You know what I mean? Like I lose a, an Oscar to Meryl Streep. It's like, well, what are you going to do? But if I lost an Oscar to Jennifer Hudson. Right. God bless her, you know, love Jennifer Hudson. But if I was a very serious actor and yeah. I lost an Oscar to Jennifer Hudson, I I, I would want to leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. But like I would because you're like, oh, what would you do? I'm like, I'd throw a fit like I would <laughs> storm out. I would knock over someone's drink. I don't know. I would do something. I would want to do all those things, but I probably would just play nice and get drunk. I mean, I would already be drunk. So it's <laughs> kind of an either or situation yeah, there, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't want to trip when I accept my award, except in this scenario, I don't have an award. So then my immediately favorite... looking for a mini bar. Oh, 100, 100 percent. I I uh, I've been to the Kodak Theater like where they do uh, and it's it's not as big as you'd think it would be. It looks huge. Yeah. On the broadcast, but it's it's not as big as you think that it would be. Um but I did get myself a little fake um, plastic Oscar. Does and it, it say Kyle? No, like, <laughs> it says like <laughs> best boyfriend. Like, <laughs> so it's pretty serious. Well, I'm sure it's well earned. <laughs> yeah, I think I got that one for Daniel. I think mine was like best artist or like best singer. Like I can't remember what it was. <laughs> um, but I bought it for myself. Like I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm the best for sure. Um. And I'm very humble. Yeah. Um, So before we get into any of these movies, we do have to have a trigger warning for anybody listening to this episode. There are a lot of very dark triggering themes such as um, molestation, child assault, sexual assault of children. um, Oh my gosh. Stalking. um, Murder. So this yeah, episode and being is... a size six when you should be a size four. Warning for that, too. <laughs> that was one of the facts of the movie, by the way, for the Devil Wears Prada. They were like, Anne Hathaway actually was a six and became a four. It's oh like, my wow, god, I want to so brave. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, but yes, trigger warning. There are some dark. Um, there is some dark material. This will be your one and only trigger warning because this is such a heavy content year that um, if I kept giving trigger warnings, we, this episode would be three hours long. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, it was certainly Catherine's smart idea to give a trigger warning because I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, it's like literally so. three out of the five films. So it's yeah. like, oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, and I thank you for it. I think some audience uh, listeners are also thanking you for that. So oh, thank you. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into the first movie. So let's talk about um, Kate Winslet and the movie Little Children. And yeah. just before we do, I have to say, I fucking love Kate Winslet. And I have been watching that show, Mayor of Easttown. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mayor what? of Easttown, I, I stayed up all night and I watched I it. I didn't go to sleep. I know. And it, I just. I was riveted. Have you seen the SNL parody where they murdered her dirter? <laughs> no. Because, <laughs> like, everyone's like, do you get any of the verdict on the murdered birder? Oh, like, it's the just... accent's a little harsh. Yeah. The accent's That's a little harsh. Pennsylvania getting hoagies and what do you mean by that? And like, like... I was like, do, do they talk like this? Have I just not been exposed <laughs> to enough people from Pennsylvania? Like, like, are they lacking um, exposure or um, representation? In some way? Like, <laughs> right. Do they actually sound like that? I mean, right. I, I will say this. Like, I abs- like, you know, people consider like Meryl Streep, like the greatest, uh, you know, actress of all time. But I, I think Kate Winslet is right there. Oh, yeah. Just right there. Like, uh, she has never let me down. And Kate and Kate Blanchett as well. Yeah. By the way. Yes. And Kate Blanchett. Like even if I don't love the movie, it's like right. them as actresses have never ever ever let me down. Or anything. The only thing. Down. Yeah. My only criticism of 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 Kate Winslet, like if I had one, would just be that like whenever she does an American accent, I find that she tends to lower her voice a lot. Oh, and interesting. It, and it makes it sound almost like like it like a like a like a obtuse like thud to my ears where it's just kind of like uh like but i know you don't talk like that where she obviously has like mm. a much higher voice i but... think she tries to give her characters a new right voice. right very true i mean she did that a lot in mayor of east town but anyway that's i guess that's a separate <laughs> podcast as well <laughs> <laughs> murdered her dirter um <laughs> Okay, so yes, Kate Winslet and Little Children. So Little Children, this is another film by Todd Field, who also did In the Bedroom, which is a fantastic movie mm-hmm. as well. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Um, and it co-stars Patrick Wilson, who is a complete fucking babe. And Kate Winslet in this movie is sort of this like um, passionless housewife who is, I think, in an unhappy marriage. And also in the town, there is this, um, you know... Uh, did he assault a child or did he expose himself to a child? A pedophile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, there's a pedophile that everyone's talking about. And then there's a guy who killed somebody. He was a mall cop. And then he, he actually drives around in like a creeper van, which is ironic. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, is like trying to get rid of the pedophile. And um, there's just a lot of things going on in this movie and a big reason why Kate Winslet took this took on this movie was because after she saw it in the bedroom she said it made her feel uncomfortable and she found that very fascinating so she wanted to work with Todd Field in this movie and it certainly did that mm. for the audience right it made us feel um kind of uncomfortable what did what did you think about this movie I mean I I find this movie to be a bit odd because I think I mean, I could be wrong because I didn't try to read up any sort of analysis. I really wanted to try and have my own analysis. But I was Mm -hmm. like, I felt the movie was trying to create these parallels um, surrounding desire. 
So you have um, Kate Winslet's character and, oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. You just said his name. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Thank you. And they start to have an affair, which is morally wrong. And then you have that very hot, hot, very hot and steamy. And then you have, uh, and then you have this like pedophile guy um, who's obviously wrong, but more morally wrong than their affair and Mm. then you have this cop guy who Mm. is trying to capture the predator and i just felt like it was trying to draw conclusions about life that i didn't fully feel on board with okay but please if you feel differently tell me because you felt like it was too simplistic yeah like yeah like i just felt like these things just aren't the same right i mean there were some like i kind of like how he ties it together i mean in the end uh you know it's like kate winslet and patrick wilson are supposed to like run off together right and then Mm -hmm. in the end um they realize that what they were actually desiring was not each other but like passion so when he skateboarded what that was his passion that he finally achieved it wasn't actually the desire to be with someone else i or maybe i'm misunderstanding that no no that's exactly what it is that they were missing some sort of zest for life right and um so kate winslet in this is kind of the i guess you'd say a lonely housewife Mm -hmm. slash anthropologist um which they didn't get too much into i mean i guess they didn't really yeah i think it was just the idea that she's highly educated but now she's just a mom and she's not stimulating her brain. And she doesn't fit in with the sort of waspy other housewives that are very judgy and yeah. very like, oh, like, did you bring like a go-gurt tube and some snacks with some yeah. animal crackers? And then she was like, oh, I didn't, I forgot mine at home. And they're like, oh, how gauche, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, so Kate Winslet, you know, finds friendship and desire with Patrick Wilson. And um, I think loved i feel like my favorite acting from kate winslet it wasn't necessarily the desire between patrick wilson um and 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 her but more of the relationship that she had with her daughter yeah and how she kind of was like very um rejecting her daughter's affection because she was putting her own needs first because she felt like she wasn't getting what she wanted out of life and so i think she like resented her daughter a little bit and the part that killed me was when her daughter makes her a little frame and she's knocking on the bathroom door and she's like mommy mommy and then she's like i'll be out in a minute and then she like just puts it down and walks away like oh my god that broke my heart yeah that broke my heart too like i i agree those were really great parts of this movie and uh yeah like i like that she's a departure from the typical like i don't know the typical mom or even like the typical sad mom Uh if that makes sense because like you said like you do really see her like trying to put her own needs first but i don't think it's because she's selfish i actually think it's just that she's overwhelmed and you know her like her marriage sucks where Uh like patrick williams characters like their marriage with jennifer connelly is Uh like you that's like a more functioning marriage Uh where her marriage is just like it's in the shitter so, like, one thing that I didn't love about the ending was, like, I was, like, like Kate Winslet's character needs to get divorced whether she runs off with this guy or not. Right. Like, that marriage is really done. 
where his marriage had more hope to it, I felt. I agree with you. Um, also, uh, Jennifer Connelly, she does or did a lot of really dark movies for like a long time. Yeah. Like this, this is something that she's very sort of comfortable in. And um, like, what happened to her? You know, she used to be like in everything and then yeah. you just kind of don't really see her anymore. I mean, she has an Oscar for uh, a beautiful mind and she's a fantastic actor. I don't know. You just don't really see her that much anymore. I don't um, know. Let's Google it while we're talking. Now I'm like, I gotta I know. know. I have to I do what happened to you. Uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. The like other what, day, she... I sadly, I will admit, I Googled what happened to Vince Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I was also wondering that too, because I was watching a movie on TV. Um, I was in Montreal this weekend and um, there was this movie on TV and it was like him and like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Chat mm, Channing Tatum is in the movie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> is this and i think jennifer Connolly was in it i was like what is this and i thought what the hell happened to him but anyway oh well um, I'm, all i'm getting right now is that she just takes on roles in smaller uh independent low budget films and she takes long breaks in between and uh has uh, taken on causes i don't know what causes that are important to her and um and she speaks about them so uh good for her I guess when you just like have been in so many movies, you know, you have your Oscar. I think you're kind of just like, well, like I'm done now, you know, like, or maybe. Yeah. Like, you um, you know, you're kind of like, I don't have anything to prove and there's other things in life. Yeah. 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 Good for, good for you, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, um, I think there's a lot of really nice moments with, you know, Kate Winslet in this movie because especially like during book club, um, mm. whenever she realizes that the book that she's talking about, you know, she's talking about herself where it's like, yes. she has a choice. She chooses to struggle and she refuses a life of unhappiness. And she agrees with the waspy mom that she has been clashing with, like up to this point, who thinks that she's like morally, you know, she's of ill repute because she kissed the guy in the park and everyone was freaking out. And, um, I think that Kate Winslet, um, and when Kate Winslet is acting with a good script, you know that it's going to just, she is going to just um, absolutely shine. And I think that she absolutely shone in this movie. It's mm. something that's kind of a bit grittier for her, a little bit of a departure from like Titanic, for example, or like mm. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, but then I, maybe I think about, I compare a movie, something like this to maybe like The Reader, for example, where there's a lot of dark themes and she's very kind of haggard in her appearance and, um, not like haggard, but like they describe her as having like bushy eyebrows and she looks tired. And Oh, the idea that Kate Winslet <laughs> isn't drop dead gorgeous is beyond infuriating. <laughs> like fuck Hollywood, fuck all this. It's like, it is beyond, it is beyond. And like you, they made her eyebrows bushy for the role. Right. Like she doesn't just have bushy. Like, oh my God. Anyway. I know. I, know. I mean, they're comparing her to Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Being like, oh, she's a knockout and Kate Winslet somehow isn't. And it's just right. like, can't they both be knockouts? Like, oh right. my God. Oh, I know. Anyway, I, I think it's because Jennifer Connelly has like the smallest eyebrows in the world. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So like, I uh, I read this thing when, um, when uh, she worked with Leonardo DiCaprio for Revolutionary Road. And he said something to her about like you gotta you gotta get rid of the the fat girl thing, 
as in like what? you have to like you have to stop considering yourself fat like you're not fat you have to get over it oh but he said it in a weird way but maybe it was like in a good way for 2007 or whatever like you know what I mean? <laughs> and now it just sounds weird but she was like and you know he was right and i'm like i can't believe that kate winslet lives in a world where people constantly tell her she isn't beautiful and that right. leonardo dicaprio has to sweep in and tell her otherwise i mean oh just God. wild yeah, that is absolutely insane. Yeah, like like oh, old gross Kate Winslet, right? Like she's so gross. Like no, yeah. that's so stupid. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio is like, I won't date you. You're too old for me because you're my age. But <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, he's like, but but um, you're my friend, so I'll tell you you're pretty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that one of the funniest moments of this dark movie that was just like you know a little gem for me was whenever Kate Winslet's character creeps up onto Jennifer Connelly's and um, Patrick Wilson's oh, house yeah. whenever they're going on vacation and she ducks in the car so they don't see her but then when they drive by she just starts like gross crying in the car yeah I <laughs> loved that moment so much because it's like she's having this affair and she wants to believe that there's something real um between the two of them that like something could actually happen and then she sees that he's in a functioning relationship and then mm -hmm. she and that she isn't and then right. she and then she breaks down and has that crying moment and i was like this is just brilliant acting by her yeah i think so i mean and it yeah, is it... funny how she ugly cries but it feels real <laughs> it feels very real oh yeah i have been that girl like <laughs> haven't we times. all haven't we all <laughs> yeah absolutely so a couple facts so um it was uh kate winslet that had suggested patrick wilson for brad and oh. i can only imagine why Ooh. um she uh, oh also patrick wilson plays uh ty simpkins father in the movie insidious as well so it's kind of just like a mm. yeah they went from this movie to a horror movie which is interesting um Really that I just want to say about this movie is that like really great writing, really loved this film. I actually started with this movie and I'm actually sad that I didn't save it for last because I, uh, I'd never seen it before. Mm. Um, some of the scenes that just stress me the fuck out because I have seen Todd Field's movies before is whenever at the end when they're meeting up at the park and she's oh, pushing her daughter yeah. on the swing. And then the pedophile guy like arrives in the park at night. Yeah. I was so stressed out i thought he was gonna murder them or like murder the dirter like i don't yeah. know <laughs> uh yeah i was stressed out too that was really well done um yeah yeah that was really well done and then she realizes that her daughter is the most important thing to her and that uh you know as you said at the beginning when we were talking about kate winslet it's that you know there are themes of desire and ultimately they all came to the realization that what they really wanted was or what was most important to them was not having the affair and running off together to have each other, but the most important things were the things that were right in front of them. Yeah, all I mean, along. I guess that was the tie-in at the end was just um, everyone figuring out what matters the most mm -hmm. and just having clarity. Where I just felt like I I couldn't tell if it was trying to say something about desire, right? Um, well, kind of because is. of well because of running those stories together side by side, and I felt like. I'm not really getting the ultimate message about desire here. Right. Uh, but maybe there isn't a message about desire. Maybe it's just desire is a distraction 
and mm. then there's this moment mm. of clarity for everyone at the end maybe that's the message of the movie i actually that's very insightful yeah maybe yeah desire is a distraction yeah. i love that yeah i love that okay yeah. do you have anything else that you would like to educate Winslet's performance before we move on uh no just that she's phenomenal and um i don't even think i would have noticed her eyebrows were bushy if they didn't say it i know i didn't like, notice that's how it not bushy her eyebrows are. i know i know it was so stupid and she was wearing like overalls and they're like bleh um, yeah 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 let's throw her in some frumpy clothes uh she's still yeah. kate winslet i know so stupid um okay so let's talk about penelope cruz in the movie volver i yeah. don't know if it's volver or like volver but i think it um, might be volver but volver. i have never taken a spanish class a day in my life yeah I've, uh so this movie uh i had never seen before it was actually quite difficult to find i had to like downloaded and then i had to download like english subtitles because it's a spanish film mm. and um fyi uh penelope cruz actually became the first spanish spanish actress ever to be nominated for best lead actress wow. for this movie yeah this is 2007 so that's that's crazy well yeah, um, yeah i mean it's hard for any foreign language film to be nominated in the english categories uh -huh. Or Absolutely. in every category except for best foreign language film. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, great for Penelope. Yeah. Uh, Trailblazer. Um, so this is a very strange movie uh, where um, it's pretty much like an all-female cast. They're, Penelope is really carrying this picture. But basically, um, her daughter, who... Okay, I, we're going to get into the plot in a second, but just side note is what I would describe as stiff, distant, and weird. Her acting, <laughs> yeah, her acting was like Lurch from the Addams Family. I'm like, um, miscast, <laughs> totally miscast because Penelope is just bringing the thunder and then her daughter, and I was like, miscast. Anyway, her daughter accidentally kills her um, who she thought was her father, but it wasn't actually her father. And then you find out that her real father is Penelope Cruz's biological father. So her daughter, because she was raped, her daughter is also her sister, which is just yum, yum, yum. And <laughs> yeah, super yummy. And then, okay, so the daughter accidentally kills the who she thought was her father. And then they put him in a restaurant next door in a freezer and they kind of just move on with their lives, to be honest with you. Oh my God. They eventually ditch the freezer, bury him, mark the tree where he was buried, which is so stupid by the way, because it's like, there he is. And also there are, are themes of, because I think the, the, the term, revolver or volver in spanish means for things to come back so her mother who she thought was dead mm. returns and because she faked her death and um there, there's just a lot going on in this movie check it out it's worth a watch um what did uh, catherine what did you think about this this film i mean i have i have slight mixed opinions about this movie i do think it is brilliantly acted um yeah i'll start with the positives well aside from this miscast which i will agree with you but i think everyone else in the movie is fantastic 
um you're absolutely right penelope cruz does carry this film um mm. there are almost zero male characters in the entire story um <laughs> and are we mad at this are we not no really. no i love it i love it i love it, it the, i said i'd start with the positives and yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's hardly any men in this movie at all um it really felt like a story um i i don't know like told by women maybe it wasn't maybe it was written by a man but i i felt the female presence in here um i do think there uh I don't know the layers of drama you can be heavy like right but I just felt like um it could have used a little editing Uh. right like I just felt like it could have been pared back a bit because yeah like we start this film essentially by her daughter killing her stepfather because he makes a, a an advance on her and so mm-hmm. in self-defense, she murders him. And now mm-hmm. they have to try and cover up this body and fend for themselves. So right. she lies and says that he left them. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody just takes that. Everybody's just like, oh, cool. That sucks for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how right. often uh, men leave their spouses in a in spade but i just feel like you know you're with someone for like 13 years and they just leave you think you'd have yeah. some mutual friends making some phone calls but in any, in any case <laughs> yeah. um you know they they throw them in a freezer and then that freezer eventually gets buried uh somewhere and people uh decide to help out and nobody really seems to mind and uh and i you know that's really weird that feels like one of those things that people just write in as like convenience Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it like where it could have easily been a greater complication and then the movie evolves into this other story uh like you said about her her mom uh, who fake it's revealed that she faked her death because she was i want to say ashamed of the fact that penelope cruz's character was uh raped by her father the, i it think was, that's it yes. was not yeah very clear sorry go ahead no that's that's exactly why it, yes that's why she was like uh, ashamed that she didn't do anything about it and she knew that her daughter hated her so she was like i don't want to come back and cause more pain yes and and then just the fact that like okay so you have penelope cruz's character she was raped by her father now her you know her husband or partner uh knows this decides to take this daughter on as his own raises her her whole life and then decides to make a move on her yeah and it's like beyond heartbreaking when you figure that out yeah it's 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 devastating another another gross moment and then she murdered her further there's a lot of (laughs) murdered the dirter and then murdered the further this is going to be an ongoing theme throughout this episode i'm telling you i think i think listen for me i think that the biggest because penelope cruz just in terms of her acting skills is like this like olympic level athlete who is like you know working with let's say like not like house league actors because you're right everybody was doing a really fantastic job but i just mean like penelope was like acting rings around the rest of the cast so she was really care and 
the the only issue that I really have with this movie, because I did enjoy it, I do think that it was a little bit long, um, but I think that um, I did enjoy it. But I think the thing that I didn't enjoy about it was like thematically, I was like, or, and maybe this is just because comedy doesn't necessarily translate to different languages in the same way. There were things that I was like, is this a drama or a comedy or like a dramedy? So I looked it up and it is actually categorized as a comedy drama. Stop. And I- yeah because there were some things that i was like what so like for example whenever she answers the door when she's cleaning up the body of the the further she has blood on her neck and then the guy's like oh can you look after my restaurant and he goes oh you have blood on your neck and then she goes oh women's problems and then he asks no more further questions so i was like oh was that like a joke to the audience like oh blowing my mind that this is a comedy (laughs) yeah because i was like uh and then to the audience it's like oh men that's the moment that they hear about a woman's period they don't ask any more questions and i was like is it a is that a joke i was like is that a comedy makes more sense as a comedy frankly yeah and then when she's she she sniffs out her mother because she's been huffing her farts remember that yes she goes into the bathroom and she goes like, "Oh, remember when ma- when Mama used to go into the fart, go into the bathroom and fart up a storm?" Oh, I recognize that. And she gets like nostalgic, and I'm like, "Is this a com? Is this a joke?" I'm like, "I." And it, this is where I feel like maybe thematically, I was a little bit confused because I thought you know, this comedy- was just quirky storytelling. And, and, and you know what I also was thinking was I was like, this film, like the way, like. It's a very bright, colorful, vibrant looking film. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking this is very colorful and vibrant for how dark the themes are. Yes. But now that I know this is a dark comedy. Yeah. That also makes sense. I think it's just because, you know, in certain oh languages, like God. comedy just doesn't translate the same. And yes, because th- there were a couple moments where I just was like, why wouldn't he have asked about the blood? And then I was like, oh, because it's a oh joke. I wish I knew this was a comedy before I watched <laughs> it. I just, I feel yeah, like I had an a, idiot now in a way. No, it was. It, I had a lot of equations on my face, like watching this movie. Like I was like, like what, like, and. Also, the way that she seemed so calm and she knew what to do the morning after she had hid the body in the freezer. Like when she was dragging the body out onto the, through the building, down the sidewalk, up the fucking stairs, into the restaurant. Yeah, right. No one would see that. And then I'm like, oh, but if it's a comedy, maybe that's just supposed to be, or like a dramedy. because if it's a comedy, then you just get away with all this stuff. Yeah. So I think like- burying the body, other people helping out- carving yeah. his initials in a tree i was like they yeah, no, just... do not care about dna i was like wow just no one has access to a dna kit i suppose like this is i know crazy but as a and, comedy um, wow wow but what a but a dark comedy um some of her great moments that she had in this movie is when she is explaining um, you know, who her father is uh, to like her mother at, uh, although her mother apparently already knew uh, uh, whenever, uh, you know, she finds out that like her mother uh, was, or her father was having an affair. And uh, whenever there's just a lot of really nice moments that you see from Penelope Cruz in this m- movie, I feel like she's reacting appropriately 
to everything. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I thought was weird in the movie was just how chill she was the next morning after knowing that there's like a dead body. I mean, this is technically like the love of her life. If that's like her partner or her husband or her boyfriend or whatever. And she just seemed totally fine about it the next day. And she seemed more emotional whenever it was like her daughter was like, Oh, you sing. And then she's like, Oh yeah, I'm a singer, which by the (laughs) way, she was, she seemed more emotional about that than like kill- knowing that her daughter killed someone and that the love of her life is dead. And I thought that was a little strange. Yeah, because then- for me, that's enough drama for an entire film. Yeah. Like, you don't really need this whole like the mom faked her own death stuff. That yeah. feels like an entirely different movie. But then if it's a comedy, then it kind of excuses. Yeah, because then it's all over the top. Exactly. So I thought like maybe um, maybe that was intentional. Oh, by the way, fun fact, Estrella Morente was the person that sang for Ray- Raymunda, which is Penelope Cruz's character. So when she's singing, she is lip syncing for her life. Yeah, and Shantae, she, she stays. She did a great yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, she did. I assumed she was lip syncing. Yeah, of course, because yeah. her voice gets a little bit deeper. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it changes. <laughs> it's definitely, like, not her voice anymore. But uh, yeah. but it's a beautiful scene. Wow. Well, now that I know that this is a comedy, I think I like it more. Agreed. Yeah. It, I had to do a little bit of, like, investigation because I was like, what is happening? But simply just for the fact that no one was asking questions or looking for the body. Yeah, I mean, as a comedy, it's quite clever because yeah. it – you know, you're dealing with such dark, dramatic themes and, you know, these characters really go on a journey. Like, you know, you have like the cousin that's like dying of cancer and is trying to solve this, like, where's my mom mystery? Like, I mean, there is just so much going on. There was a moment where the mother that comes back from the dead uh, was watching a movie, and this was um, Anna Magnani, um, Anna Magnani's uh, 1951's Bellissima's fame-hungry working-class mother, which was supposed to be a parallel to Augustina's fame-hungry sister who dragged Raymunda to a singing audition. Mm. So there are certain like little things that they had in the movie that I thought were like very clever and mm-hmm. sort of very interesting, but... I think that there was just a lot going on. There was like two or three different stories. And the only one that I really cared for, frankly, was just the murder or the, or the um, Mm self-defense, you know, and, and sort of how Penelope Cruz was carrying it. For me, I could just watch Penelope Cruz for two hours and I would be content. She really was carrying this picture. We watch Penelope Cruz for two hours just drag a body across town. <laughs> 100%. And, and, and lip syncing at the same time. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that, like riveting. <laughs> yeah, like mwah. She, she really is carrying this picture. If you have not seen this movie, I would recommend, uh, it's a little tricky to, 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 to find, but it is worth the watch. Um, also just side note everyone's house in this movie was like a compound and like hashtag jealous like Mm. i want to go to spain now i've never been and now that covid is like over my like european adventure needs to happen because i've only been to ireland because of daniel Mm. i really want to go to spain i want to go to italy i would i just want to same i haven't done the whole europe thing and i really really want to oh yeah italy is italy is my dream Mm -hmm. same um Okay, well, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Penelope Cruz's performance before we move on? Um, just, she's absolutely stunning, isn't she? Just, like, one of the most beautiful, magnetic people I've ever seen on screen. Like, 
al- okay, but like almost like too pretty compared to everyone else in the movie that it literally was like Yeah, like you mm. can't even buy that they're sisters. That's so mean. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. She's just gorgeous. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this you don't fit into this puzzle. You know what it I mean? It would it would kill it would destroy my self esteem to have to pretend to be Penelope Cruz's sister. <laughs> <laughs> I you know there's something that I was actually kind of thinking about where it's like, imagine being the parent of a movie star like Penelope Cruz or like Meryl mm. Streep or something. And you see your child, like, I don't know, die on screen, for example. And it's like, psychologically and emotionally watching your own child die, that I feel like would be so difficult unless you were extremely angry at them and like you needed an outlet for your anger. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Like, Cause Penelope like what would Cruz's that... mother is jealous that she's so beautiful, or she's just angry at her one day because she I don't know forgot to pick up smokes or something. Oh. Like she's just <laughs> just be so weird to have like to be the parent of a movie star and to see your kid on screen like you know having sex and like I don't know like just like it or like being stabbed or like just it like yeah like yeah. psychologically I feel like that'd be really fucking weird. But anyway, yeah, just... no, it would be. Penelope Cruz too, oh, is but our too parents <laughs> probably go through this as a as stand up comedians. Like my mom did not yeah. want to go to my album taping. She's like, I can't. She's like, I think you're funny, and when I watch your clips online, it's great, but I can't do it. How did we not talk about this? We talk, How was your album recording? Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. This is so. This is with so anybody listening. So Catherine Eicher, she just recorded with Hal and Roar. It's a, a female centric and LGBTQ positive and BIPOC label uh that mostly caters to uh women uh mm-hmm. and uh it's run by allison door who is john door's um sister uh and, and you did your album with them too right i did in 2018 yes. so yes. anybody listening to this podcast if they haven't yet please check out kyle's album yeah or check out my comedy special that's coming out in 2022 on crave called introducing lyle ah, but i digress how exciting. but when is your when is your what do you call what are you calling your album I'm calling it an EP? My, I, I, yes i'm gonna call it i'm your number one dad <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be out Sorry. sometime i think early spring oh i actually so i was gonna go to it but then i had a show and i was like money um yeah no that's congratulations that's what do you know when it's coming out yeah like maybe early spring i said love it yeah love it love it okay well it's something to look forward to listeners okay so uh (laughs) do you have anything else that you would like to add to penelope cruz's performance before we move on no she's fantastic she's fantastic Okay, uh, let's talk about, this is the one that I'm so fucking excited to talk about, and I feel like this episode is going to go drag on a little bit because of this. Uh, let's talk about Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Um, obviously, as a uh, gay man, um, I believe that I am Miranda Priestly, right? Because all, <laughs> all gay men, it's sort of like that thing where all straight men think that they're Batman. All gay men think that they're Miranda Priestly. Like, this is... <laughs> Just a fact. And um, of course, The Devil Wears Prada is based off of a, an intern's experience working with Anna Wintour. And um, there are things that obviously have been changed, but apparently it's quite similar. And just as a side note, before we get into Meryl Streep's performance, a lot, and I mean the majority of the fashion industry, refused to work with the writers or any type of production for this film for fear of what Anna Wintour would do to them. Yeah, that's, how, them. that's just how powerful she is. 
Oh yeah. And uh, the one note that they did have for the people that were requesting help with the script and for fact checking and things like this was simply that the characters in the original script were way too nice. And they said, people in this industry do not have time to be nice and they don't have the, they don't need to be nice. So that was the biggest correction that they made. So everybody, apparently this is quite accurate to the industry. Valentino was the only person in the movie prominently figured because he had made the black dress that Meryl Streep is wearing. Mm. And also, I mean, how old is he? At that point in his life, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't care what Anna Wintour thinks. Well, I mean, some things. of these labels, you got to figure, like, I'm Valentino. Yeah. Like, you know, at some point, it's like, you're Valentino, you're Armani, whatever. Like, doesn't yeah. Vogue need you more? Yeah, 100%. I mean, do I even need to say, like, what this movie is about? I mean, gay, okay. <laughs> if you don't know what the Devil Wears Prada is about, stop listening to this podcast. Go out. I should have lied and- off the top and been like, you know, I never saw it before. <laughs> canceled um and i think and i i don't even this is a separate podcast and i i I don't even really want to get into it but the real villain of this movie is andy's friends i will just say it once they're the most garbage human beings that can't accept that her their friend has a job and she just has to do it for one year and then she can get a job anywhere. They do not care about her future. And anytime that she's like, I have to work, they're like, ugh. Yeah, there's, yeah. Been, a, there's been a lot of revisionist who is the real villain uh, yeah. of this movie, which is which is fantastic. And I think, you know, one of the, the very interesting things about this film and you know, I, I think the same kind of goes for like Sex in the City or like a lot of things that came out around this time about women is just like you look at it not even 10 years later and it's just you see it all so differently because mm. that's that's just how much has changed. Right. Like it's just it's you don't really look at it from the same 2000 whatever lens anymore. I think that's kind of impossible to do. I think that, I mean, the only moment where I think that, like, you know, Miranda is being, like, a bitch, right, or, like, an ice queen or a dragon lady, mm-hmm. and I think that she's being unreasonable is whenever, you know, her she's stuck in Miami, there's flight delays because there's, like, a, like a friggin' oh, typhoon Oh, yeah, 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 and then she's, storm. like, get me on a flight. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's simply impossible. And that, I think, is the only moment in the movie where she's being like a quote-unquote bitch. Really? Not when but she I... stabs the guy? <laughs> Was there another murder? <laughs> Did she murder no, her girl? behind the back, so to speak. Like, uh... Right. Oh, why um, is Nigel. Name? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, thought, you Stanley know... Stanley Yeah, yeah. When, when he doesn't get his little promo or promotion because there's some politics and people are gunning for her position and she, you know, rigs things around. And it means that, you know, after 18 years, he's still going to be doing the exact same job when he thought he was moving on. You didn't didn't find that. You didn't find that cruel. No, here we go. Here we go. This is a beautiful jumping off point because when I said at the beginning of the episode that I had a verb that I use after watching this movie, you have uh, segued into it just beautifully. So mwah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> there is a verb that I call being Jacqueline Follet. And what that means, and what that means is when you know that you have something and you are just waiting for it to be received, but just at the last minute, 
you get Jacqueline Follet and she takes it instead. So I, I have absolutely no shame saying this. This was years ago and I don't care what anybody's opinion about this is. This is just my experience. And as I said off the top and we have already established, I am a bitter bitch. Okay. I was in a little competition in Canada called uh, Sirius XM's Top Comic Mm -hmm. Competition. And if you win this competition, you win $25,000. You win a taping at Just for Laughs in Montreal, the world's largest uh, comedy festival. And it's a very prestigious honor and sort of bragging rights uh, within the comedy community because they fly people in from all over the country to come and compete in this. So I had made it all the way to the finals. We had performed at the Winter Garden Theater. Um, I got to work with Maria Bamford, AKA my literal favorite comedian ever. So that was just an absolute dream come true. Um, There were eight or nine comics, I can't remember, uh, that had gone out. And in my opinion, I easily had the best set of the night. I have never destroyed harder. And every set that every comic that went up after didn't quite get to that level that I had brought it up to. And I remember I was backstage. I was talking to Allison Dorr from Howlin' Roar Records and she was like, oh my God, Kyle, like, I actually think you won. And I was like, oh my God, like, I actually think that I won. And everybody kept coming up to me. And then even Maria Bamford kind of made a comment. And I was like, oh my fucking God, like, I think I fucking won this. So then whenever they go to announce the winner and, um, you know, we're all standing like to the side stage. And I, I just had this in my mind. Like, I was like, I totally got this. I am Nigel in this moment. And then they call out, you know, the other comedian Shanty. And oh. at the time they were my best friend. And I remember just immediately my heart just fell into my stomach and everything. And um, I was a gracious loser and I was so happy for them. And, you know, we, we partied, we had a great time. I put on my happy face, but on the inside, I was Nigel and I had just been Jacqueline Follet. And I was wow. like, oh my, fu-. I was, I was genuinely devastated. Like, I'm not afraid to say that now, because this yeah, was years ago, yeah. but I was genuinely devastated. And, um, you well, know, especially in when the- people are putting it in your ear. Like, I think <sighs> you got this. I think you won. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just, I was like, ooh, money. Because at that point I wasn't doing comedy full time and it was just such a big deal. I just moved to Toronto and Mm. it was just, it meant so much to me. And, uh, you know, and then you just, you lose it. It's like if you've ever seen Feud, the moment where Betty Davis is certain that she's going to win the Oscar for um, whatever happened to Baby Jane. And then it goes to Anne Bancroft for The Miracle Worker. And just that, ugh, like that is she got Jacqueline Follet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this and I'm going to use this. This has happened to yes. me in my personal life where I was working. It was like my first writing job and I was working on this web series with a budget. So I was getting paid oh. some money for it. And nice. there was like three of us in this quote unquote, like writer's room, you know, now that I've been okay. in a real writer's room, it's like, that's not a writer's room. But at the time I was like, this right. is my writer's room. You know what I mean? Of course. And yep. there was this guy and I, we, him and I got along really well. And this other girl that was with us, like was telling me like, Oh my God, he likes you. He likes you. He's he likes you. He absolutely likes you. And I was like, really? You know, so she's kind of planting this like seed in my head. Right. And then Mm -hmm. we keep working together like week after week. And 
And she's like, yeah, he likes you. He's just being shy, this, that, and the other. Like, she's really buttering me up, right? And then eventually, like, I, I asked him out. I asked him out. And then he tells me that there's another girl in his life. Oh, my gosh. He wasn't even single. Was it the girl that told you that he was into you and she, like, misled you? Yeah, she completely misled <gasps> me. Oh, my God. You got Jacqueline Foley. I got Jacqueline Foley. <laughs> <laughs> and you I was Jacqueline so Foley. embarrassed. I would, I mean, first of all, you should not be embarrassed because if anything, like, fuck that bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, telling me for weeks. Like, wow. we were together on this thing, like, on weekends for, like, a whole summer. Oh my God, you got Jacqueline Follade. I got Jacqueline Follade. <laughs> so, you know, happens to the best of us. Uh, yeah, what a great verb. Thank you, Kyle, for bringing that to this universe. I hope as it goes viral, everyone remembers it was you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, anybody listening, if you have any Jacqueline Follade stories where you got Jacqueline Follade, yeah, send them to me. I'd love to. I'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about Meryl Streep. Yeah, Street. let's actually talk so, about this movie. <laughs> I mean, this is, first of all, like, she is so iconic. And um, I am I think I'm just going to mostly, before I get into the performance, because, of course, this for me is just the, the greatest performance for, for me personally as a gay man. But, like, just um, some facts about, um, so, uh, this movie. Uh, Anne Hathaway was the ninth choice for this role. Stop. Ninth? Yeah, the, Ninth, they wanted. No one wanted to gain the weight to be a size six to then go back to a size four. That was the deal breaker. Yeah, um, Rachel McAdams was their number one choice. Oh. They were off. They offered it to her three times, and she said no. Like, um, also Graham Norton was the second choice for Nigel, and he he almost got it apparently. Oh, wow. Um, the character of Miranda being so icily calm, quiet voiced was based off of Clint Eastwood's way of running a set. Oh my god. As a director. I love that. And she based the look of Miranda Priestley on Carmen Del oh god, Orifiel's look. She was a model from a long time ago and she was specifically known for her trademark white bouffon. Oh, great. Um oh uh Oh, yes. No, we've already talked about this as well. And whenever the scene, whenever she announces her divorce, um, well, if you think that he wants to rethink the divorce, then go and fetch, fetch away. That scene, she's mm, crying. Mm. She has no makeup on her face. That was actually Mer um, Meryl Streep's idea. And I don't know if this is actually a fact. I feel like I read this somewhere, but it was the only reason that Meryl Streep did this movie was actually because of that scene where she's vulnerable and has no makeup. Mm. And she's sad because... I think that's really the only range that you see of this character because her performance is so fucking amazing, but it is very sort of one note in a way. Not like one note, but like, it's like the same tone. Well, that's the idea, right? That nothing, nothing cracks her. Exactly. Her and that's exterior. the whole point. Yeah, yeah. Um, the original line in the car at the end, whenever she's like, oh, don't be ridiculous, Andrea. Everybody wants this. Everybody wants to be us. The original line was, everybody wants to be me. But Meryl Streep found that it was way too self-involved and dramatic. So she actually changed it during the table read to, um, everybody wants to be us. Um, us. And she, so she changed well, that. that's a good change. Uh, I think I so too. To say, yeah. Um, the role change. for of Miranda Priestley was originally written for Glenn Close. Oh, I could see that. And she said no, because she's like, I'm tired of playing these like villainous 
characters. Yeah. Which, because, like, basically is her entire career. Yeah. Um, and in the original book, Miranda Priestley was English, and uh, Emily uh, was American. Oh, okay. So for the movie, they switched it. And um, uh, Emily, I always forget her Blunt. name. Emily, um, Emily Blunt. Yes, of course. Emily Blunt. By the way, have you ever seen the movie The Edge of Tomorrow? I have not. She is amazing in that movie, and I've never seen it before. And I watched it, and I was like, why have I never heard of this? Anyway, I digress. But um, she was they, – they auditioned, like, a million girls for Emily. And then um, she actually uh, did the audition in jeans and a T-shirt because she had been doing a bunch of auditions through Fox and didn't get anything. And then she just was like, oh. And when she did this, she got it. And she insisted that she do a British accent because it would add sort of, like, a posh sort of mystique to her character. Right. I think she's so good in this. Like, to me, I I honestly think Emily Blunt could have had a supporting actress nomination for this film. I mean, she did for the Golden Globe and for the BAFTA. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. So she was recognized in some places. Yeah. She's phenomenal in this movie. Um, Now, specifically, I also want to say before we get into Meryl Streep and her amazing performance Mm. is that this is sort of my one exception to category fraud, because I talk about this all the time in the podcast, like Viola Davis and Fences, for example, where it's like, you're obviously um, the, the lead or Talia Shire in Rocky. It's like, you're obviously supporting you're in the movie for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, this is my one exception to category fraud, because this is sort of like Meryl Streep's Anthony Hopkins silence of the lambs moment where it's like, he's only in the movie for like 20 minutes, but it's like he's the lead because it's so iconic and Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly is so fucking iconic. When I think Meryl Streep, I think Miranda Priestly that I think that the lead is um, so warranted, even though she did pick up, I think the best supporting at the New York film critics society. So she did go first supporting in some of the award circuits, but ultimately she did lead at the Oscars I feel like if she went supporting, she would probably win. I was thinking Um, that too. I think if she went supporting, she could have won. Yeah. But I also have something controversial to say. I think um, if this was a better movie, she could have won. I agree because she also is, it is kind of like a chick flick and then Meryl Streep. And it has flaws. Oh, of course. Like, I mean, yeah, script- I mean, my, yeah, like, I think, like, looking back at it now, I don't know if you'll agree, but I think that, like, it has moments, this film, of being self-aware and critical of the fashion industry, and then it has mm. moments where it completely loses that, and right. and you're just supposed to accept things that they're saying as the truth that aren't the truth of, like, the universe. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my favorite lines is from Nigel whenever he's like, yes, that's what this multi-billion dollar industry is really about, inner beauty. I love love that. Um, So talking about Meryl Streep's performance specifically, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think some of my favorite moments obviously has to be whenever she goes on about Cerulean and (laughs) which are lively unaware of the fact is that Oscar de Laurenta did it, you know, and she has this whole... That scene about why Anne Hathaway is wearing a blue sweater is so epic that that whole sequence is such a mic drop i know yeah it's not blue it's not lapis it's not turquoise it's actually cerulean it's just she calmly and authoritatively tells her fuck you you know and she also anne hathaway again we don't need to get into anne hathaway really but just 
way to fuck up the okay you go to your interview not only have you done zero research but you don't know anything about the job or magazine you're dressed like a complete slob your hair is a mess that was so stupid but then to be like i'm still learning about this stuff and then meryl streep rightfully so the fucking head of a magazine is like this stuff and then she just reads her to filth and you're just like amen like absolutely yeah yeah but I, and of I course, yeah, I love that moment for just it bringing us into why they think they run the whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I also love, and I wish that I had. Whenever it's like, you know, she needs to have the first assistant like in her ear like that friggin' ghoul from lord of the rings that's like whispering into the king's ear and like you know because like she doesn't remember people's names and she needs emily to be like you know like that's ambassador franklin and the woman that he left his wife for yeah like (laughs) these moments where it's like and i wish i had this in real life because i smoke so much weed Mm. that i do not remember anyone's name and the moment that i'm at comedy bar I'm like, hey, you. Like, I don't, I'm so bad. If you bad at, ever like, forget my name, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could never forget. I could never forget. But literally, I need, I need like an Emily or a, an Andy on my, on, on like don't in my ear. to. All, I mean, so, yeah. like, I literally had to um, bail on dinner plans with friends I haven't seen in two years because I forgot I had a show. <laughs> so I could also use an executive assistant and I don't smoke weed. So, yeah. Oh, well. You know. I mean, maybe you should. Maybe <laughs> I should. It's a great excuse. Um, I should of just course... tell people I smoke weed, even though I don't, just to excuse the forgetfulness. Well, see, this movie kind of like reignited her career. Well, adaptation, arguably, or Angels in America. But mm. I would say that this one ignited her career because up until this point, Meryl Streep was not really known as like a box office draw. She was just known as a technical powerhouse that was like a chameleon. But most of her movies like financially never did like, you know, like a Marvel movie, for example, kind of box office numbers. But mm. The Devil Wears Prada was like, and still to date is her highest grossing film ever. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah, I guess this so. This movie completely reinvigorated her career. And it rightfully so, because she is so iconic in this movie. And um, I don't even know what to say other than just perfection, like florals for spring, groundbreaking. Like just everything about this movie is quotable. Everything about this mo- this performance is perfection. I don't even really, I don't have, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> that's, those, yeah, that's I it. agree. And like I said, I really think she she could have won if this was ultimately a better film. But I think so too. Yeah, yeah. but she she is perfection in it. Like there's no um I don't have a single critique of of her in the, in this movie at all. I love it. And okay. for anyone listening, uh I am a size 14. <laughs> 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 and I was I was then, I am now and I have <laughs> begrudged this movie <laughs> ever since uh and i don't blame you i know and it's just like yeah like he's like well i'm a six they're like oh which is the new 14 it's like oh fuck off. Anyway. oh yeah when they said that i just wanted to t- i watched this in theaters i just wanted to take my popcorn and fucking chuck it at the screen <laughs> i was like fuck you I don't blame you. Yeah, I but but that you. is how the the fashion industry is. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they shouldn't, their characters shouldn't uh, say those things or feel those things. But I felt like the entire movie felt that way. 
yeah and, fe- and the entire movie feels that the world should feel that way that's what that's what bugged me yeah i'm a fair i'm a size fair. 14 fair enough <laughs> gotta own it gotta loud own and proud it. yes absolutely 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 <laughs> jinx um okay so let's talk about the next trigger warning judy dench yeah. in notes on a scandal oh. um i ironically watched this movie on disney plus <laughs> i know i saw that i couldn't believe it was on disney this movie has no business being on disney plus it is like so th- whoever sold this movie to disney plus is a genius because this is yeah. like oh yeah. my god yeah. So uh, for anybody listening, Notes on a Scandal, very quickly, is a movie about two very gross people finding each other in a perfect storm. In this movie, Kate Blanchett <laughs> is a teacher who is fucking one of her students. And then Judy Dench is a person with really bad boundary issues, aka a stalker who literally has restraining orders against her, who becomes obsessed with Kate Blanchett, then finds out about the kid fucking and then uses it as blackmail to become her friend. And then she envisions this life of Kate Blanchett and her together. And then ultimately Judy Dench reveals to a teacher, oh, you know what I heard about Kate Blanchett because Kate Blanchett betrayed her mm. and her quote unquote friendship. And then everybody finds out about it. And then Kate Blanchett goes to jail and the whole movie is just a big gross. What did you think about this movie? <laughs> um, it, it's so disturbing that it's weird <laughs> to say I loved this movie. <laughs> I know what you mean. I Because the acting is amazing. This movie is phenomenal. It's just so well done. Yeah. I mean, it is like, wow. Like, it is, it is suspenseful. It had me at the edge of my seat. For yeah. for this type of drama, I feel is so rare to have that suspenseful quality to it. But I was so riveted, and the whole time I'm looking at at Judy Dench being like, "What is her motivation?" But it's like they, you know, they they bring you along, like you know, it's going to be revealed, and then it is revealed, and you're just like, "Wow." This yeah. is just such an excellent movie from beginning to end. The performances, every line. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm curious to know if you have a critique of this film. I do not have a critique of this film. This film is just so good. I agree with you. Um, I think before we get into Judy Dench's performance, mm. the only thing that I thought that it was really funny is that it was someone's job to cast that kid and they had to ask themselves like who's like kid hot <laughs> enough for Kate Blanchett you know like yeah. who do like where's the because ca- they have to have chemistry so it's like who's like kid hot for Kate Blanchett right and yeah that's a that's a creepy casting session for sure and they picked that uh they picked the kid that they picked was such a mouth breather same age as me by the way um so <laughs> when this movie came out um, I would have been the same age oh to oh god have an inappropriate relationship with Kate Blanchett. And um, one of my favorite lines in the movie, though, is Judy Dance, where she's like, and now more than ever, we are bound by the secrets that we share. Yeah. The writing in this movie is very, very good. Um, Judy Dance specifically- Was this a novel before a movie? Because it just feels like it. Uh, it says that it was nominated for adapted yeah, writing. Yeah. So I would adapted. assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was nominated for lead supporting Kate uh, Blanchett, adapted writing and original score. Judy Dench, though, in this movie, her character, she is kind of a, not like a recluse, but like just kind of a, a bit of a loner, not very well liked, social outcast, and certainly something that you're not used to seeing Judy Dench as. Mm. She kind of is like playing like a creepy old man. 
Yes, um, but as a but a woman, yeah. But as a woman, so that was actually kind of really interesting because you know at the end when you know she finds her new little victim to start stalking, it's like when an old woman just comes up to you on a park bench, you just assume it's completely harmless, right? So I thought that was really thing, a really really cool thing. Um, another favorite line that she said that. That's when she's describing Kate Blanchett's life because Kate Blanchett's married to like Bill Nye, who is like much older than her. Mm. She has extreme. She goes for super old or like underage. Um, <laughs> and Judy Dench says that, you know, she married some crumbling patriarch. I love mm. crumbling patriarch. I, the writing, of course, was, it was just fantastic. Um, I One of the funniest moments I thought was when Judy Dench sees Kate Blanchett with this kid in the, in the classroom and the shock on her face, she's literally speechless for two scenes over. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, same girl. Yeah, like, overall speechless. So like, she's just, because she's speechless in the moment. And then the next thing, she's just sitting in a chair in a room by herself, speechless. And I'm <laughs> like, has she even thought about anything else, like, in the last 24 hours? Or has she just sat in that chair, like, oh, what? She is scandalized. Um, um yeah i mean i you, sorry go ahead no no it's just you know it's you're conflicted because you know she is uh an anti-hero because she is extremely manipulative and she's using the secrets to like have a deeper understanding of Kate blanchett and deepen their friendship so it's like you're just really conflicted on all ends of every character when you're watching this movie and like i love that yes I, I think what's so fascinating about uh, Dame Judi Dench's character is even though she's not after something um, sexual, she's absolutely a predator. Mm-hmm. And you don't see old women looking for something platonic and still being a predator. Like mm-hmm. that is just so fascinating to me. And mm-hmm. even though Kate Blanchett does something very horrible, very wrong, um, mm-hmm. because of the the point of view that this movie is told in, you sympathize with her. Yeah. Because you're seeing it through right. the eyes of this predator that's using this information uh, against her and is manipulating her into a friendship because she's so lonely that you mm-hmm. don't that she doesn't even realize to the degree that she's being manipulated um until the end when she discovers the notes of scandal right. literally yeah. and it and it's just like it, it would be impossible to tell Kate Blanchett's story from any kind of sympathetic lens without right. it being through the lens of another predator absolutely and it's just super 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 well done i think another and to talk about what you were saying about her being a predator um to sort of give perspective of her character mm. she says that she was cr- she was chronically untouched to the point that a single <laughs> brush sends single sends signals right to the cross. That gave me some real pandemic throwbacks. I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> like, single in the single in the pandemic. Damn, <laughs> I was like, yep, I remember that. I remember she, that. And this monologue comes whenever she's smoking in the tub, and I'm like, I just love the just visual. So chronically untouched. <laughs> yes. <laughs> smoking in the tub i i love either smoking on the can or smoking in the tub that's like a 
I've had a day. Yeah. <laughs> moment. And I, I always find that. I always find that very, very funny. Um, The part, though, that made me the most uncomfortable, surprisingly, was not um the sex scenes or the creeper scenes or the stalker scenes. It was actually the scene whenever she's like, talking about like stroking her arm mm. and she's like it's an incredible sensation it's incredible for the giver and the receiver and then it's just like super cringy and uncomfortable mm. and Kate Blanchett's like stop and like this is weird she's like close your eyes and it's just like Ugh! like it's just everything about that was that was probably the most cringy scene believe it or not yeah. for me because I, I don't know and they're it's quite innocent but it's it's not at the same time that for me was like the most oh my God, stop. This is like, I I fast forwarded through it. It made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that made me really uncomfortable too. And uh, looking back at it now, because you see that scene before, you know, all was revealed at the end. Like, is she just like trying to see how much control she has or, you know, but then at the end too, Kate Blanchett's character is like, do you want to fuck me? Like, is that it? And it's like, I don't blame her for thinking that. Right. You know, you can't yeah. blame her for thinking that that's her motivation, but it's just, she, she just has this, like, I don't know. She just doesn't have boundaries in which she can have any sort of middle ground, regular friendship with someone. It's like, they need to be in your life 24 seven or not at all. And the thing is, is yeah, Judy Dench, it, this is such a weird movie to see her in kind of thing. Mm. And such a weird role that she just played so well and I was like delightfully surprised. I didn't even think I'm watching Judy Dench. I'm just thinking I'm watching like a psycho. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so very, very good performance. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so just for time's sake, I think we're just going to move on to the to our final nominee. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about the winner, Helen Mirren for the Queen. Um, so uh, Tony Blair played Michael Sheen. Uh, Mike, Mike, Michael Sheen played Tony Blair in this movie. He's <laughs> literally played Tony Blair three times. Um, and James Cromwell, uh, AKA the, the farmer from babe or the friggin', uh, psycho, uh, op, like surgeon from American horror story asylum, um, who played Prince Philip, which apparently Prince Philip's character, he only screams. Um, <laughs> the Helen Mirren has also played Elizabeth II on Broadway in a production called the audience for which she won a Tony award. Helen Mirren received a five minute standing ovation at the Venice film festival. Whenever this movie debuted, which by the way, five minutes, if I was in that audience after like a hot minute, I'm like, can we stop? Um, (laughs) Helen Mirren found out that the queen actually has OCD, which is why there's that scene where she's adjusting all of the pens. Thought that was a little interesting. Whoa. Um, I didn't know. Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth praised Helen Mirren for this performance, invited her to Buckingham Palace for dinner, but Helen Mirren was uh, filming, so she was unable to attend. That's crazy. Yep. And the the scenes where uh, the Queen was filmed from behind crying was because the Queen is known for being emotionless, and she's supposed to be impartial, so they decided to film her if she was going to get emotional from behind, because they felt that the royals would be uncomfortable if they were portrayed in an emotional, vulnerable state, as that is very much the antithesis of their entire institution. Um, The term people's, the people's princess in regard to Princess Diana was actually coined by a BBC correspondent hours before Alistair Campbell told uh, Tony Blair to use it in his oh. press conference. And um, 
Another thing, not about this performance, but a thing that I did not know, the Queen of England has never voted, but she is entitled to. Oh. Yes. She just never has because her whole thing is ama- as the, um, yeah, as the, uh, what I'm trying, not the, I'm, trying, I was about to say the, uh, the patriarch. What am I saying? The, um, you're the, the sovereign. Yeah. The, if you're the sovereign of the nation, you have to be impartial. Right. So specifically to Helen Mirren's performance, which by the way, is just perfection. She is the queen. Um, mm-hmm. is that the queen is always supposed to be impartial. She's never supposed to show emotion. She's supposed to be regal, confident, quietly authoritative, which is similar to Miranda Priestly, for example. And um, so that becomes the challenge for Helen Mirren per- portraying this character, because it's like, how do you bring depth and emotion to a character that's essentially supposed to constantly be like beige? Right. And... She does it so well that you literally feel like you're looking in on the royal family's life. Mm-hmm. It's such a real, uh, uh, believable performance. Easily Helen Mirren's best. I've seen this movie a million times. I never get tired of it. Uh, what did you What did you think about this film? Yeah, she she's fantastic in this. And now, like looking back at it, it's probably hard not to watch this and not compare it to The Crown. Um, of course but i think the crown probably took a lot of its cues Mm. from a movie like this and Mm. i think you know now we've seen so many portrayals of the queen that it's like uh, yeah i mean helen mirren what i'm saying is set the bar i agree and then people took it from there but she set the bar and uh she is phenomenal in this she does add vulnerability to the queen that i don't think anybody ever saw before or even thought Mm -hmm. of before right because it's 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 from her point of view it's the you know it's about the death of diana but from her point of view and Mm -hmm. it's definitely a very sympathetic movie to the queen Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so you know there's that but uh yeah, my but she is phenomenal in this. My only issue with it as a film is Prince Charles because Prince Charles <laughs> is very uninvolved for something that was so traumatic to him that it's just impossible to imagine that that was actually his only role in the uh, response. I agree with you, absolutely. And just to also add... Um just to like sort of add to what you're saying um a lot i mean prince charles is kind of completely responsible for um princess diana's like inevitable demise or like her downfall so he's like kind of a huge piece of shit and the way that they portray him is that he's like totally innocent in this situation and i feel like now that we know more about the royal family because of shows like the crown I do not find Prince Charles to be sympathetic in the way that he's portrayed here. He really seems like a victim. And I am like, you're an asshole. Like you are literally the reason that her life was garbage and she tried to get out of the, the institution. And um, I mean, that's a, that's a different podcast, but anyway, um, I I will just say that um, some, some funny moments I thought was whenever Helen, whenever the queen is having to, digest the funeral plans and the funeral arrangements for (coughs) excuse me for princess diana and she's just so like oh like she's like that's not tradition and 
her conflict is based on tradition and reformation and you know the public's disdain toward the crown and their reaction or lack of reaction to to diana's death and if the royal family doesn't play ball it's like it will get it the the ball rolling of uh you know taking down the royal family and it was like one fourth of british people believed that there was no point to the monarchy anymore and then the queen is like oh god like what can i do to protect my institution of extreme privilege mm. because if i don't you know everything will crumble beneath me and um you know she broke tradition or what did they say like uh, she was like modernizing and all she did was just like say one or two oh, things it's and so show up crazy and pick up. when they when when they say she's modernizing the the monarchy and all she does is like make one speech <laughs> like it's so, i know she loves like some one divorce yeah. and one speech and it's like oh she's so radical i know and um it's not a specific moment of her performance it's the whole performance she just was the queen yeah she just was queen elizabeth i i felt like i was looking into the royal family i felt like i was seeing into their life it was just easily helen mirren's best performance easily isn't it so weird every time you you see the queen go hunting it's like oh yeah she hunts so bizarre right it's like oh yeah, yeah she goes hunting but that scene when she's out in the woods and she sees the deer and she gets all emotional like that's the oscar moment and the deer is supposed to represent diana right because diana was being hunted yeah, like the yeah, deer yeah and then like the only way that she could show remorse away from everyone is if she spent time alone with the deer to demonstrate that she was upset by what happened yeah. i mean maybe <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, of course, the writer and the director's choice, but uh, I don't really know if the actual royal family, specifically like Prince Philip and Elizabeth, I mean, I don't really know if they actually cared that much. Yeah, that's the thing. How much did they actually care about Diana? I don't know if we'll ever really know, but I do feel like this film is, um, and it's no critique on Helen Mirren, but I just do feel like it's way too uh, sympathetic towards the the royal family during that time. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then when you kind of see what really happened to Diana, you're like, "Fuck the royal family." Yeah, um, but you know, that's how they were raised. That's their that's their life. That's their privilege. That's they believe that they were. This is God's decision. Imagine that being that drunk with power, like just <laughs> I know that this is God's will. It's God's will. Um, Okay, so I think that just for time's sake, I think that we should wrap it up. But do you have anything else that you'd like to add to Helen Mirren's performance before uh, we pick our winners? Uh, No, just she's fantastic. All right. So the time has come. The time has come for us to select a winner. So um, you are my guest. So please reveal who you think that the Oscar should have gone to. I think the Oscar should have gone to... Meryl Streep, The Devil Wears Prada. Oh my God, yes. Why? It's such a twist. I know. Um, even though I really uh, shit on this movie, this is one of the most iconic female villains of all time. Yeah. Of all time. Like, I just yeah. think, you know, anybody could have won in this category and no one's getting robbed. Let's say that everyone in these films is so phenomenal that if anyone wins, they do deserve to win. But when I think about 
you know, telling the story of cinema and what we're going to remember, we are going mm-hmm. to remember this performance. A hundred percent. And she's such a good actress that they even zoom into her face so you can watch her mouth just like yeah. perk a little bit. And she right. says so much with her face. Like the movie goes out of its way to show you what a great actress she is. A hundred percent. And I also just want to then ask you, because I think that this is one of the most stacked years ever. Yeah. Um, ever. Yeah. So like from, from like fifth place to first place, like where would you rank? Ooh. Where would you rank everyone? Oh boy. Um, 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 Ooh. Fifth place. You, you could have a tie. You could have a tie except for first. Okay, second is Notes on a Scandal. Okay. That's number two. Um okay. number three. I'm gonna say Volver. Really? Okay. And then Helen Mirren and 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 Kate Winslet, fourth and fifth. The only reason is because I think look, the Devil Wears Prada isn't like Yes, it's Anna Wintour, but it isn't Anna Wintour. Right. You know what I mean? It's not a straight biopic. Where, like, the queen, although Helen Mirren was great, so much source material. Endless amounts of source material. True. That's very true. And, and, like, I'm splitting hairs here. Because everyone is really great. Um, And, yeah, yeah. That's the controversial, but that's that's how I'm ranking it. All right. Okay. Um. So I think that the Oscar should have gone to. Meryl Streep for the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> I mean, like, that's all. Like, that's all. it's just, that's all. And then the podcast ends. That's all. And that's it. Like, I mean, it's just so many quotable lines from this movie. Everything, like, where it's like, has, like, like has she died or something or just like (laughs) oh and if you don't have that harry potter book don't bother coming back at all or you know like um you thought i didn't know and i love the meme where it's like someone sends you a meme that you've already seen Mm. and then it's meryl streep like you thought i didn't know like i just everything is quotable everything that she does is perfection florals for spring groundbreaking like yeah you know moving out of glacial face for spring groundbreaking oh god groundbreaking good everything that she says in this movie every line is perfection every like it's so iconic everything about this like i said it's like straight men think they're batman gay men think that they're miranda Priestley. i think that (laughs) this is her hannibal lecter if you will and i think that um it it's just a it's a it's a fritz bernays it's no question but if i did have to because no, this was such a stacked year, um, I would say that like my number, um, five, like yeah, if I ranked it like five to one, I would say Penelope Cruz would probably be my fifth. Mm. Kate Winslet would probably be my fourth. Judy Dench would be my third, and then um, Helen Mirren would be my second. I'm glad Helen Mirren won. I think she deserves that Oscar. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that she deserved an Oscar for that performance. Is that and I'm her glad only that she Oscar? Ha- that's her oh, only okay. Oscar. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm glad that she has it. Yeah. It's it's just that my personal choice would be Meryl Streep. Yeah. All yeah. right. Oh, no, no, that's, that's it. That's it. I just think like, yeah, she Meryl Streep's character just represents generations of women who just had to be a bitch to to get ahead. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. God, so this concludes another episode of Best Actress. Catherine Eicher, where can people find you on social media? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at it's me underscore Catherine, spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. Great. And definitely check out her de- uh, debut comedy EP through Hallinor Records in 2022 called Number Your Number One I'm Dad. I'm your number one dad. <laughs> I'm your number one dad. There you go. And uh, thank you so much for being a guest. You're one of my favorites and I will definitely have you back again. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.